0: Welcome to Comedy Wham Presents. I'm your host, Laura Smith. Comedywham.com is your place to go for all Austin comedy. And now your place to go for information on shows and open mics in the Austin area. Comedy Wham Presents is how we bring you glimpses into the lives of comedians in and around Austin. And sometimes other countries. My guest today has appeared on Montreal's Just for Laughs, Jeff Ross's Roast Battle. And I became familiar with him when he was on Rude Dude's podcast. His new album, Straight White Fail, debuted at number one on iTunes, and was listed on Bank's 11 Best com- Comedy Albums of 2019, and has been nominated for a Juno Award for Comedy Album of the Year. He also happens to have my favorite bio on Twitter. Joining us all the way from up in Toronto, Canada, Comedy Wham presents Jarrett Campbell. I almost did that. Hello. I almost did that right.
1: <laughs> no, I think you sounded all right.
0: Thanks. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. How are you doing?
0: Doing okay. So full disclosure to those listening at home, uh, you know, these episodes are meant to be evergreen, but just so you have a frame of reference for what's going on right now, we are in the first week of... Quarantine, social distancing, what have you, so it was an ideal time to sit down and speak with someone all the way in Canada. <laughs> How's Canada. it going over there? It's
1: going, it's quiet uh, yeah I said i'm 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 just sitting here in a robe I'm
0: rolling a joint
1: <laughs> so things things aren't that unusual. I mean my day would only really change around seven PM when right. I start getting ready to go out. So Right. That's been <laughs> yeah, my guilt right. too.
0: I, I work from home right now and so my only change happens around five o'clock in the afternoon when I can't leave. So
1: Right. <laughs> well I mean I'm trying to I'm trying to keep busy as much as I can and do a bit of writing every day and I'm working out in yeah. here and uh, you know, I'm doing what I can but overall I, I think there's some people that have a much bigger life adjustment happening right now than me.
0: Definitely. Is it hard to write about anything but this whole situation?
1: I think the hard part about it is that, you know, that that's what fucking everybody else is writing about Mm -hmm. right now. So it's going to be this giant fucking, it's like, (laughs) I think right now what's happening is I I kind of equate it to the way that people go to the gym every New Year's. Like Mm -hmm. if you go to the gym in January, it's fucking packed with everybody who's ready to make a difference. And then come February, it's dead again. And I think I look at comedy. (laughs) I'm looking at all the people creating content. They're so fucking inspired and they're going to get fired out of a cannon when they get back on stage and you know they'll have their their new fucking five minutes and it's going to be hot and they've been working on it for three fucking weeks and then everybody's going to run out of gas and then it's going to go back to normal so a lot of people are like man it's going to change the game comedy's going to be different i'm like i fucking doubt it man i think it'll be different for three weeks i know the nature of comedians and the drive comics have it's like it's going to last for a little bit and then everything will go back to normal but um i think the challenge right now is you know, it's kind of like if you come out of a breakup. If you're gonna write quarantine jokes, you got to write the best one. So, mm-hmm. just write good shit. And, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's challenging uh, in the sense that you like you're all of your writing. You're 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 relying 100 percent on what's going on in your fucking head because you're not going out and experiencing anything. So, yeah, this is uh, you know, this comes down to really, I guess, how creative you are. But also, I mean, I I don't just want to fucking sit through 90 minutes of quarantine jokes when i go back to a comedy show and that would be assuming that i actually sit and watch 90 minutes of comedy when i go to a show but you know what i mean
0: right well Uh, so let's get into the evergreen part of the interview so um mm -hmm. so that it's not just like the corona edition um we do this icebreaker question on every episode of comedy wham presents and it is Mm -hmm. one word to describe your past
1: past um regret
0: <laughs> that's on brand for for the album and all That work? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um
1: I'm fueled by regret. Are you? Um yeah.
0: so what is you know what is your first comedy memory where you, you know you grew up in I think a, a smaller town More rural area? Yeah. Canada?
1: So I, I, yeah, I grew up, I grew up outside of a town that had a population of like 200 people. So I didn't even grow up in the town. I I grew up in a county, as we called here. Oh, wow. And uh, (laughs) yeah, so it's like super, super fucking redneck. And like, redneck here. Especially where I'm from. It's, mm-hmm. it's like very, very hick and there's like Mennonite culture. It's it's not really that much different from what you would know as a redneck in Texas. It's just like it's a little people sound different, the accent is a little different. Yeah. Um, but I'm very much from a place of like cowboy hats and cowboy boots and like they gotta fucking bring your tractor to school day and shit where I came from. So
0: <laughs> I am imagining letter Kenny right now. I apologize for It is, <laughs> is Letter Kenny. I
1: mean it's fucking Um, it is exactly that, (laughs) but Letterkenny's based in even a bigger place. (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing.
1: Um, my first memory of comedy, fuck, I don't know. I, um, I mean, I love comedy my whole life, but I started comedy for me as a kid. It wasn't stand up or anything like that. It was watching, uh, like it was the Simpsons, right. And, um, King of the Hill and watching those cartoons and shit. But my first, like, I didn't realize that being a stand up was a reality where I came from. So I never really thought about that. I always wanted to write comedy and work in TV and stuff. But first, I would say like a cool kind of full circle experience would be when I was like, when I was younger, I was in my second year of college and I went to Spain uh, for a week with a couple of my buddies. Um, and like, I remember on the plane, I got, I was watching Jim Jeffries first special mm-hmm. on the plane. And that was before that was, this was like, three or four years before I ever even tried stand-up comedy. And I just remember watching a special and fucking dying and loving it. And then uh, fast forward to this year and I got to do the Jim Jeffries gala and just wow. be around him and hang on stuff. So that was like, a, I got, like I, I didn't take a step back, but that's kind of a cool fucking leap in life, I guess.
0: That's awesome. So yeah. what, okay. So how did you get into it then? If, if, your if your exposure to it was so late in life
1: yeah so how i got into stand-up was i like i said i I did from from a time when i was in high school i was always very curious about tv i wanted to get into tv and i had an early dream to work in adult cartoons and like make something you know work and something like Mm -hmm. shit like that that's so i always wanted to write comedy and be a part of that uh that world and then when i i went to school for like a like a television broadcasting thing and i got into tv and i started working in tv and then i from there i was like i i wanted to learn how to become a a better writer like a better joke writer and i realized that the most organic way to write deliver and get feedback on jokes was stand-up so i started watching stand-up and then i became obsessed with stand-up and i would go out and i would watch stand-up live all the time um, terrified to ever perform it. Like, I was terrified of public speaking and shit, so I never thought I would ever talk into a microphone. So I'll go watch it. And then eventually I found somebody that I had gone to school with who was into stand-up a bit, and I just asked him where I could go. And uh, he gave me the name of a room, and I went there and I found it. So, like, I had no friends in stand-up. I knew nothing about it, and I just went at it alone and found an open mic and started going to that open mic every week, and then from there another show, and then... And then it did not take long for stand up to just take over and become the thing. I mean, I was like immediately hooked on it and then it ruined my life.
0: <laughs> what was your first, what was your first open mic like then?
1: I'll tell you the first thing I ever said on stage. Okay. I went, I went on, I'll never forget it. Cause in my mind is how far I was from understanding what I actually had to do. I thought that what I'm about to tell you was a joke and you'll see how far it is from actually being a joke. So I go on stage and I'm, like pretty, I feel pretty good about what looks like five minutes on a piece of paper.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I went up and I said something like, I'm like, oh, hey, guys, I'm so, so happy to be here tonight. Um, I, I couldn't stop crying earlier. So eventually I just had to stop masturbating. So I thought that was a joke. I said that. <laughs> and of course, it fucking just flat, right? Like, no, nah, it's just and this is like an open mic with other comics. They're all young comics, but they've been doing it they don't know who the fuck I am. I'm wearing like a leather coat. I got my hair. (laughs) I look like an (laughs) asshole. Like nobody immediately, nobody likes me from the moment I walk into the room. And then I go on stage and I say that and everything got so fucking real in that first 10 seconds for me. And I realized in a heartbeat how fucking (laughs) how hard this was going to be and how far I was from actually being a funny person or knowing how to write a joke. Um, So I kind of choked my way through that set and I just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And then after a while I, I I learned kind of how to write it. I'm still not convinced I know how to write a joke at all, but.
0: I always ask people when they say their first open mic bombed, um, which I'm assuming that's how you're describing that. uh, Mm -hmm. How do you go back then? Like, I know a lot of people, if they, if, if a joke hits with their first open mic, that, that rush and everything, how do you go back after the first bomb?
1: When it doesn't fucking when it doesn't hit, mm-hmm. um, alcohol. <laughs> you just keep drinking.
0: But <laughs> like was, was it the desire to keep writing? Like, what was it about?
1: Like, I, I knew that. Oh well, I mean, so like I said, I would become obsessed with comedy, and like that started with a big part of it. When I was listening to a lot of podcasts. So mm-hmm. I was listening. This is kind of when podcasts were really booming and taking off with comedians, and I was. Um, so I really got into kind of understanding the whole grind of comedy. And I always remember comedians talking about how like you really didn't get taken seriously until you've been doing comedy for like 10 years and all that. And I just knew that in order to ever get even remotely good at this, that it was all about repetition and stage time. And, you know, stage time was invaluable and they had to go up there. So I understood enough to know that I was going to take a beating for a long fucking time in order to get to a good place. So I just I just kept that in mind, and I just kept going out.
0: Gotcha. And then
1: eventually, uh, so I was trying to fucking roll a joint here, and I'm just licking a pit. I just got weed all in my mouth.
0: <laughs> Did you wash uh-huh. your hands before you rolled
1: it? <laughs> oh fuck! Oh fuck! Uh, you can't yeah, use
0: no, hand really. sanitizer on those. That's a it's not good. No. Oh, fuck, <laughs> I
1: don't know. I think this might just be it for me. I'm gonna die live on your fucking podcast. Oh
0: my god. That would, um, that would yeah, be nah, the, I, the big blow-up for us, right?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think that's going to break? Nobody dies on a podcast? Stop. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> anyways, yeah, the, the whole thing for me was just, like, I, I kind of I understood and appreciated the grind, and I really liked the idea of not getting respect out of something until you actually genuinely became good at it. And I really liked that right. about stand-up, which has changed now. I mean, nowadays in stand-up, it's not... Yeah, it's not necessarily about being good, but.
0: You think you the know. internet and and everyone having access to videos, phones, and all of that is part of that?
1: Um, I think that there's a, been just a shift in like, like when I started, it was very much like you. Were, I, I had a lot of respect for all the comics and stuff and people who have put the work in. Um, I see now like people like people have rooms now where they're like no bumps, which means like if you're, like, like, because it's all Mm about inclusive, and everybody's feeling good, which means, like, if a fucking guy who's been doing comedy for 20 years, and is awesome, shows up, like, no bumps, like, this guy who's been doing it for four months, he needs to go up next, because, and it's like, what the fuck, like, I I just miss the days when you could have your feelings hurt, and, you know, feel less than, and then feel like you have to, like, go home, and sit on the edge of your bed, and write through the night, and try to get funnier, (laughs) because you fucking knew that it mattered, like, there was just more, I'm not going to say competition, about, but it was, like, You know, your feelings weren't as protected. It was... I thought that you got funnier the more you got hurt. Right. (laughs) And now I feel like a lot of these rooms I go to, it's like, they're really protecting comics from being hurt. And a big part of that is people believing that they're ready to do anything and to do any amount of time when they're one year in. I mean, I was fucking terrified to do 20 minutes when I was a year in. like that. But you see people headlining shows and calling themselves headliners. i like, when the fuck did somebody <laughs> become a headliner after 9 months? When the fuck did that become a thing?
0: Right. Yeah, there there should definitely be a, a recommended gestation period maybe might be a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. For a comedian. For some. some people get
1: better quicker, but right. like I I I'm pretty sure I was fucking awful for a long time. And that's not the case for a lot of people. Some people are going to, some people are naturally really funny. Some people find their stride quicker. I get that. I just, you know, I, I guess I, I kind of liked the element of the grind and it still is there. Obviously. Mm -hmm. I just think that there's a lot of support in comedy now. And a lot of, I don't think, I think when you support mediocrity and you and you you high five someone after they had a dog shit set and tell them that it was amazing, you're not doing anything for the art.
0: Right. So, how long but, how long have you how long have you been doing comedy? First, I I haven't established that for the audience yet.
1: I will have been doing comedy for nine years next month. Okay,
0: and then so I still
1: haven't hit that ten years, so I don't expect you to respect me.
0: No. Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna hang up now.
1: See? Um
0: Okay. <laughs> no, uh how long were you into, you know, doing the open mics and, and the grind before you felt like, okay, I've got this. This is something that I really can do. Um,
1: I I was fortunate. Well a thing that I did for so I, I did my I did I would have done shows for a few years before I really started seeing any money or getting paid at all for it. Mm -hmm. Um, like I had a full time day job and I would go out and do stand up all night and go to work hungover and just rinse and repeat every day. Um, but I, what I did from an early age was I surrounded myself with better comics than me. Like I had the guys that I thought were hilarious and looked up to, and it's not because I was like kissing ass or trying to get around these guys. Those are genuinely the people that made me laugh and that I respected. Those are the people I tried to be around. So when I was just one year in, I was hanging out with some guys, you know, who were 15 years in and who were fucking amazing. And I tried to always, you know, I always wanted to be better so I could be in those fucking circles and be, you know, cause there is a part of whether comedians are admitted or not, there is a part of, you know, you do want to be accepted at the, especially right. at the beginning and you want to be, you want to be in. And so I try to surround myself with people that were always way funnier than me. And I still try to do that to this day. And it, um, i mean, it makes you better but then so when i started i guess when those guys started telling me that i was getting funny and then they started asking me to come open for them um when i started doing some overnight gigs on the road and yeah. getting handed a, a, an actual amount of money at the end of the day i was like oh shit like there is something here there is something i can do with this but it, it really didn't start to happen for me until yeah, until, they, until I guess guys were bringing me out on the road with some of us and that would start.
0: Yeah. Who are some of those influences?
1: Um, for me, a big guy would be been Dave Merhege,
0: mm-hmm. who
1: is, uh, I don't do you know Dave?
0: I don't that's part of so, the La that's Dave part is- of the hard part between like the the US Canadian like some some names make it you know easily across and sometimes you have to go for sure. learn and i i'm learning more about Canadian comedy and it's amazing so well there's a lot
1: of really really good like for what i was talking shit about comics here there's also a lot of really good comics that come out of here and i think that um Toronto's as good a city as anywhere to to get good at your yeah. craft before you have to take it somewhere else. And Dave's a guy who was just, he was a, a grinder and he was from Windsor. So he grew up doing shows in Detroit and Windsor and then in Toronto. And he's kind of the guy that inflicted the mentality upon um, upon the rest of the comics that, like, you can do four sets in a night. You can, like, hit as many rooms as possible. So. Yeah. He was one of the first guys. Now Dave lives in New York and he's in season two of uh, that show. He's got a show on Hulu and stuff. So he, like, he's fucking awesome. And then K-Trap was another oh, yeah. good friend of mine. And he's obviously one of the stars of Letter Kenny.
0: He's actually been um, on this show before. So
1: Oh, great. Yeah. yeah I, I fucking love K-Trap. So, yeah, those are a, a couple of them. There, there's many, many more. But it was just, yeah, guys that kind of, that, that they motivated me to always want more and to do more. And then they have since just kept growing and they all, uh, either live in or do most of their work in the States now. So.
0: Yeah. Well, how did you, <laughs> I have to ask, I would be remiss if I didn't, how did you get involved with Tyler and Tommy and the rude dudes podcast? Cause that's how I got to know all of y'all.
1: Oh, the Same way. All those guys got involved with each other, having nothing else happening in your life. <laughs> they, um, I, <laughs> Tyler was actually Tyler. I, I should actually throw in there as one of the, guys that he, he was like an older comic had been around for a minute when I started uh, hanging out with him and he put me on his uh small festival that he runs up in like the cottage country which has now become like this label the mm-hmm. cottage comedy digital so he was a guy that put me on a lot of shows early on he was one of the first people to actually pay me real money to do stand up so he kind of took me under his wing which he does a lot with a lot of young cops he's always been a good yeah. supporter of of like fresh talent he's good at finding People who are gonna be good, whether they're there yet or not, mm-hmm. and uh, he kind of brought me in and through him. I met Tom, and then Tom and I were just kind of kindred spirits because we were absolute <laughs> fucking disasters. Like we, <laughs> this the moment he put the two of us in a room together, it was like tommy and I. It was problematic. I mean, that podcast <laughs> had to fucking end. That had to end. And like, for I, the sake of your livers. I, uh, the, our livers, our sanity, our criminal records like everything and it Tommy and I like yeah, I, I don't know. I I still think I'm like if I ever do have even a molecule of success, somebody's going to dig up a rude dudes episode and I'm going to get canceled. So I I think that that's like, you listen to enough of it to know it's all there. But We, I, <laughs> I think we had a, just a really good relationship, the three of us, and I love those dudes, and I and I still do. But like, yeah, we just kind of hit it off, and it was the perfect storm at that time, and it was still a time where, you know, people would listen to three guys getting hammered mm-hmm. and bringing people in and just being, you know, rude and stupid, y'all. Would whatever, just it was just
0: riff, cool. and it was amazing, and I, I've, you know, I I've interviewed Tyler. Now I'm interviewing you eventually, hopefully. I'll be able to talk to Tommy. But I almost feel after listening to that show for so many years that at some point I'm going to have to interview Tommy's parents. Because oh, you've yeah. called no, him you gotta... so many times.
1: Tommy will call you from jail one night.
0: That'll be his one phone <laughs> call. <would> be... <laughs> <laughs> A collect call from Canada.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, I don't see Tommy as much as I want to anymore, but we still, obviously, are in contact, and I love that dude, but, you know, I wake up every day expecting that Tommy died last night. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> I just, there was one episode where y'all were talking about some, he had been at some girl's house and gotten sick, and I just remember the phrase, shit-covered Spider-Man, and it has stuck with me for... <laughs> ever it's lodged oh in my yeah brain.
1: <laughs> where he's con- that I remember that story where he was <laughs> convinced that the cab driver yes. stuffed a pair of a box of diapers in his mailbox or something <laughs> some impossible scenario that could only happen to Tommy but a yeah, shit in the girl's bed I think yeah and then he had a he sneaked out of her house or something like that but that's all true like I'll, I'll like I remember one time I was hanging out with friends at my place at night and i had finally gone into my room and it was like the morning and one of my friends opened my door he's like hey buddy tommy's asleep on the toilet is that all right or i was like yeah man just leave him just leave him then as soon as he shut the door i just had this flash of all people that have died on a fucking toilet and i was like oh fuck i'm gonna go have have a look when i went in and there was tommy fully passed out on the toilet and i got him up And he got up and he, he had taken a shit and, uh, (laughs) he just got up, pulled his pants up and then went and passed out on my couch. And I was like, I don't know if he shit after he fell asleep or if he had shit, I don't know what happened, but that was just (laughs) partying with Tommy was always gross and fucking weird.
0: You're a good friend. You're a very good friend.
1: I mean, I think that's more, I feared the liability of how it would be attached to my toilet.
0: (laughs) So let's get into, so I've listened to Straight White, uh, Fail so many times. Mm. I think I've listened to it probably five times now.
1: Oh my God, I'm so sorry.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I only listen to things I enjoy more than once.
1: Um. I appreciate that.
0: And, uh, I have to say, like, you are an amazing storyteller, uh, Your analogies are just flawless. And the other thing that I noticed that you do is you make it very easy for audiences in Canada or in America to, uh, you know, understand exactly what you're talking about. Describe like you you translate well. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might make a local reference, but you'll 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 grab at something from the States to kind of put it into perspective. Is that something that you've, a skill you picked up or?
1: Um, I think I've always tried to be conscious about writing the type of comedy that works everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. There's, I think it was like Karen Kilgariff that said way back in the day, like local jokes get you local work, which is Mm -hmm. the truest shit ever. And you see it all the time. You see comics who, live in the city and then they they cannot go and do 20 minutes out in the country. Or you see someone who who only does small towns and then they they don't know how the fuck to talk to a room of people who are a little more with the times in the city. So I find it's very important to write shit that is universally funny Mm -hmm. and not just for, especially when you're talking about just regions. Like you don't want something to only be able to be funny in the States or only be funny in Canada or only be funny in Australia. Like you want shit that's funny and to a degree, relatable, Mm -hmm. whether it's directly or indirectly, to everybody. So I've always kind of tried to do that, and I think there's probably some stuff that still hits more locally than I want it to, but yeah, I, I definitely consciously try to write stuff that I can do in more than one city, state. Problems, whatever.
0: Yeah, well, you nail it on the album because I, I didn't have to go. What does that mean? You know, at any point, because the moment I would Good. even well, start that's... to think it, you explain it, and like very first joke out out the gate, you do it. Um, so let's get into that. What is it like? So, and I've asked. I think I asked Tyler this too. You know, doing comedy in Canada versus the states do you see a difference in the audiences too? Um,
1: it depends, I, I guess. Like, I don't think so. Like, I Again, I think that funny is funny.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I think if you learn how to be actually fucking funny, you can do it anywhere. And I think if you're making people laugh in downtown Toronto, you're going to make people laugh in New York. And I right. find that they're very much similar. Of course, there's, there's small differences and there's like, I remember... My first time, and I was very new to comedy at this time. But my first time going down to Atlanta and like doing comedy in Georgia and all that, and obviously <laughs> just the main difference being, <laughs> you know, like I did. So I'll tell you too quick. I was, this was I was maybe like one year into comedy, and I was in Atlanta, and my it was with two other comics. One comic went off to a club to do a set. Me and this other comic went to another room, and it was an all black room. Mm-hmm. And an all-black room in Atlanta, Georgia is different than an all-black room in Toronto, right? Like right. It's just, it, there's a lot of differences. There. So we get there, and I'm pretty new, and I'm very, very fucking white. And so <laughs> is my buddy. And the guy comes up and says, like, listen, I only got room for one of you guys to do a spot. My buddy looks at me and like, you go ahead, dude. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll fucking do it. <laughs> so I don't even know how to make a fucking – I don't know how to make anyone laugh yet. And I'm at this show. And I had to follow. So right before I got on stage, the Trayvon Martin verdict came in. Mm. So it literally it had timed out. It, like I'm telling you, it is the comic before me finished. And as the host went up, a guy pulled out his phone at the front of the room and went, yo, motherfucker's innocent. And he showed his phone to everybody and then oh, everybody shit. got like turned up and everybody pulled their phone. It was literally, it had just come in and they're like, and here's this white kid from Canada. And oh. I had to come <laughs> up there and just, eat shit for the next what felt like an hour but it was probably fucking five minutes oh my gosh. and I that in that moment I was like oh I'm not ready to fucking perform here because I don't know how to be funny yet like I don't uh. know how to just come out here and make this crowd laugh I very I know how to talk very specifically about the little fucking things that I've tried to write and tried to get my head around so far um i think that now i i'm not saying i would go in there and do a good <laughs> job but i'd be able to handle that situation better i'd be more able to make fun of the fact that i'm the guy there right. in that moment and everything so there's just there's, there's things you learn and i and there's definitely different audiences but i think you can find those different audiences you don't have to travel to a different country that you can find those all within whatever city you're in you're going to hit different rooms and different types of people but i think that between i think americans just appreciate comedy. So when you find when you're fucking funny down there, they'll they'll know that. Yeah. And uh and I think that that comes across.
0: Well, <laughs> I don't even, I'm still I'm still reeling that you had to follow you know I'm there's a handful of verdicts that you wouldn't want to follow in this country. Maybe the OJ verdict maybe that yeah. one and and like you know the the trial the rodney king trial you know just whew. So. yeah
1: that that one's got that's probably up there but that was like an eye opener for me <laughs> in terms of like oh I'm, I'm not ready
0: well you you definitely that's definitely a lesson and you know if you can do that if you can get through mm-hmm. that you can get through anything yeah, yeah i mean you're you'll survive corona no problem now
1: uh, <laughs> I think so. I've been writing some killer Corona jokes.
0: <laughs> killer Corona is your new album. I, we've just named it here. Uh, okay. Great. <laughs> so, what? What's? It's hard to ask anyone what's next right now because you know it feels like everything is on hold. But yeah, pretend. <laughs> right now mm-hmm. that we're not that in a
1: pandemic.
0: What's that? Uh, yeah. yeah, pretend we're not in the midst of a pandemic. Um, what What's on the horizon for
1: you? Oh, <laughs> well, I have a big, I had a tour coming up that's been mm-hmm. canceled. Um, but I'm currently in the process, again, weird timing of getting my visa so that I can start actually working in the state oh good <laughs> um so so that's my next step is to start uh, uh getting down there and getting out of toronto and getting out of canada so yeah. weird time for that to happen i'm <laughs> in the middle of the process so i have no idea what the fuck's gonna happen with that right now obviously it's gonna take some time but that was kind of it i got this finally got this album out and i you know did uh, Got a couple more festivals under my belt and everything. And then mm-hmm. finally went ahead with with the visa once I had the credits to do so. So that'll still come through and it'll still happen. Who knows when and in, in what capacity. But, um, yeah, the goal is to just start working more.
0: Right. Yeah, I know you were nominated for Comedy Album of the Year with the Juno Awards. And they were supposed to take place uh, this past Sunday, correct? And they have been either canceled yeah. or postponed. So I'm just going to say you won. And congratulations! <laughs> Thanks. Um, Cheers. You can you can give your acceptance accept. speech now. Um,
1: uh, <laughs> no, yeah, it's too bad that that happened. I mean, like, I don't know what's happening with it. They haven't they haven't really announced anything. It's I don't know that it's postponed. I don't think the whole thing is going to happen again. But I think they're figuring out a way to like honor the winners and whatever. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. The other comics nominated are all really really fucking funny. So it's like it's a good strong. Cool of people to be in, so whatever happens, happens. It was cool to be, to be considered. Yeah. So I again, like, it's just another example of everybody's kind of getting fucked over right now, and not everyone's shit is in limbo at the moment. So.
0: Well, yeah, it's it feels like you know the trajectory of you you were you're blowing up right now, and it's it's just been put on you know an undetermined yeah, amount of time hold. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, and I was, I, yeah, I had some things also coming up. Some people I was meeting with, and on my tour that were coming out to see me and whatnot. I had a, a few things that were supposed to be happening um, that were falling in line with everything that's been going so well at the moment. And yeah, it's all kind of on hold now. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll pick the pieces up. Maybe I'll just pack it in, and this will be the last time I talk about comedy to anybody. Oh
0: no, don't put that on me. I, I, I do not want to be blamed for killing the career. Of- Jared Campbell
1: yeah you just can the episode doesn't even air yeah it, it
0: just goes in. The, it goes in the Disney vault now um so what are you doing to pass the time during your quarantine besides joke writing
1: um I'm doing that I mean I'm doing yoga with my girlfriend
0: mm-hmm. we're
1: just we're doing yoga every day I'm trying to like stay in shape right now um I haven't been drink i haven't been drinking this year, so that's a thing that's kinda new to me so that's been actually a big bonus during this quarantine is that I'm not looking for booze and trying to get booze into me so it's I'm actually getting up I'm reading a a lot I'm reading oh, wow. a lot right now um Basically, just reading, writing, exercising, and then when I get enough things done that I feel satisfied that I haven't wasted my day, then I'll usually just smoke some weed, watch a movie, and chill out and just, you know, pass the time. My girlfriend's super, she's all over everything that's happening, so I don't have to do any research. I get the live updates.
0: <laughs> is, it a, is it a tense kind of situation there with, with everything? I know I have had a hard time not obsessing over it
1: yeah like I think a lot of people have I've kind of been able to I'm just kind of in cruise control at the moment but again I'm it's around me all the time so I I am kept very 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 much in the loop Mm -hmm. so I I know what's going on I think there you see varying uh attitudes around here some people are panicking some people still aren't taking it seriously some people are uh you know, carrying on almost business as usual.
0: Right.
1: Uh, a lot of people are trying to acquire kind of like workers comp for not being able to work. And the government, the government here is trying to provide artists with some money to make, which is, Oh,
0: that's nice. Uh,
1: proven. It's, it's, (laughs) yeah, it's really funny though. You have a lot of comments that are trying to apply for, uh, these like this kind of workers compensation. It's like, these are people that are going to end up making more money during the virus than they ever actually did (laughs) perform it. So I think that's hilarious.
0: (laughs) Um, so okay we'll we'll put the pause on on the the quarantine again and I'll ask yeah, you this Evergreen. like what would you what what are some things that you still want to do that you haven't done yet
1: Um I want to rec- do a special at, at some point like an actual filmed special mm-hmm. not just an album Um I would like to I know it's not really the basis of anything anymore necessarily, but to do a late night show would be awesome i um I definitely want to put out i just want to keep producing more and more comedy i want to tour more of the world yeah I'm originally from from Germany too like my family is is a lot of it's European stuff so it'd be cool to one day go over and do a tour in town I'd be able to go over there and do do some stuff um but ultimately it's just to continue to make a living doing what I love to do.
0: Right. Do you ever think about, I know that you said initially you had wanted to write for television and, and for cartoons and things of that nature. Do you still ever think about doing
1: that? Oh, for sure. And I've actually had a chance to write on a couple of shows and I've had some cool stuff recently. I'm working with some, uh, with some guys down here on some sports stuff. So I've been working on, some, I don't know if you know, Serge Ibaka and the Toronto Raptors and I'm working on a <laughs> show of his right now. So I am actually working in TV and writing for a few different things at any given time or trying to anyway. So I, I, I am still involved in TV and kind of have been for the last handful of years. So I definitely still want to work in, uh, in comedy on TV and, and I would love to one day still work on a cartoon it would be awesome. Yeah. But um Yeah, I I definitely want to continue. I want to be able to make jokes all day. So I want to Mm -hmm. be able to write during the day, whether that be for TV or whatever, and then do stand-up at night. That's the ultimate goal, just to continue on that path.
0: Nice. So I'm going to ask you, like I did in the beginning of the interview, um, Mm -hmm. one word to describe your future.
1: Um, pain. (laughs) Pain. Um, regret and pain. Yeah, I have regret. (laughs) Then yeah, more regret. Two words. Um, I'm gonna say productivity. Okay. I think that's the big one. I want to be always, always, always producing something, always putting something out. I don't want to stand still at any point in time. I don't want to get complacent with any sort of success or anything either. I want to continue to always be moving forward. So, excellent. Is that a bad word? Does that work?
0: There is no right answer. It's the it is the Rorschach ink blot test. Did I even say the Rorschach ink blot test of of this podcast? It is uh, okay. it is neither good <laughs> nor bad. Um, right. So. Is there anything that you, it's so hard to do this right now because of everything, but is there anything that you want to promote right now coming up? I know, I know. Other than that they have to go download. I would
1: like to promote that people wash their fucking hands, stay inside (laughs) of your houses, follow the goddamn rules so that we can get back to our lives soon. That's what I want to fucking promote. I don't want to turn on the TV and see some cocksucker <laughs> in swim shorts and fucking flip-flops telling me that he put his dad's money into this two months ago and there's just no way he's going to lose it. I don't want to <laughs> see that shit. Any, Just give it up. Walk into the water, evaporate, <laughs> or stay the fuck home.
0: Beat a shark.
1: Please, do whatever you need to do. Go out there, fight the fish. I don't give a shit. Just let me get back to going outside soon. If I don't perform soon, I'm going to kill one of the two people here. It's going to be me. It's going to be me.
0: Oh, my gosh. Um, well, We're
1: actually doing pretty good here,
0: though. Yeah. Well, people do need to go and download Straight White Fail. Um, where I know it's on iTunes. Where else can they get it?
1: Um, It's everywhere. It's on iTunes. You can go check it out on Spotify. You could check it out. uh, I think it's on like CD Baby. You can stream it anywhere, basically.
0: Okay. And then how do they follow you? Uh,
1: You follow me on Instagram or Twitter. And it's just my name, Jarrett Campbell. So J-A-R-R-E-T-T Campbell. Um, Yeah, it's for both Instagram and Twitter. I usually post whatever I have coming up or anything on uh, Instagram. So that's the best way to kind of stay up to date.
0: And when you follow him on Twitter, check out that bio. It's my favorite. Um, oh, that
1: bio. It is the
0: best. It is the best. And I'm not even going to tell them what it is because they need to follow you. Um, Great. You're, you're amazing on Twitter too. So it's it's worth the follow. Yeah. Um,
1: Thank you so much. I'm glad we finally got to talk because I've yeah. heard such good things from Tyler over the years.
0: Yeah he's a sweetie you'd never know it from the way he uh he roasts but he is a sweetie um yeah, he's a fraud <laughs> he's a big softie. um yeah. so all right well you this has been comedy wham presents Jarrett campbell uh, you can find us at ComedyWham.com for more interviews and for shows coming up, if there ever are any again. Um, yeah, if we, comedy ever happens, yeah, then
1: I'll do
0: it. We are actually switching in this interim period to a Twitch feed, and it may, if it doesn't go well on Twitch, we may move to YouTube uh, live, but we will be doing some experimenting with streaming live shows so that people can stay in their homes, and be entertained. But uh, this has been Comedy Wham presents Jarrett Campbell. Jarrett, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's good to talk. It's good to talk to someone. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Don't don't go. We don't have to talk anymore. Can you just stay on the line? You can stop the podcast. (laughs)